The Wall Street Journal has called Lucia Micarelli a violinist of heart-melting talent. One of the most diverse violinists on the scene today, Lucia has toured with Josh Groban and Chris Botti, and has even had a PBS special, An Evening with Lucia Micarelli. Mainstream audiences will remember Lucia from her iconic character Annie in the HBO hit TV series, Treme. I sat down with Lucia a week before she hit the road on her national tour. Lucia, welcome to Classical Chops. Thank you for having me. So, um, yeah, because I wanted to start with the PBS special. Mm -hmm. The album and the tour are all kind of a package deal, right? Or, or am I wrong about that? I mean, they all, you know, the 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 live album is is the album from the show. It's the, the PBS special that we did. Um, and, yeah, the tour kind of, I guess, sort of evolved from that. I mean, we were trying to, to put together a tour before the PBS special, but... You know, we have a lot more dates now. <laughs> I know. I was looking so at it. You're, it's like you're covering the entire United States. It's so exciting. It's exciting. I mean, you know, I, I've toured with a lot of um, big artists. So, I mean, it's nothing compared to, like, being on the road for, you know, a year and a half with Josh Groban or something. But for me, I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're going to take our show to, like, 25 cities. It's amazing. And you are the big artist. <laughs> oh, I'm a I'm a small artist. Well, but okay, well, <laughs> I have a big heart. <laughs> okay, so t <laughs> tell me how you get from you know L.A. freelancing to a tour that's you. It's all about you. I mean, did this just kind of fall in your lap? Was it? No, I mean, I, I mean, I. You know, I toured with a bunch of other artists. I put out my first solo record with Warner. Oh my gosh! Like in two thousand. I think it was seven. I because I was listening to them today. Mm. It was like two thousand seven. A long time ago. Two thousand nine. Yeah, something something like that. That album is beautiful. Thank the one you. with Lang Lang. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh! It's so beautiful. I know. He was so great. He's so amazing. Yeah. What was he like? Just so cool. Like I, the the label really wanted me to play Meditation from Thais, and I was like, okay, if we have Long Long, we need to play some shit, like some stuff with like a lot of notes and craziness. And they were like, no, 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 we really want you to do this piece. And I was like a little bit nervous when I met him to rehearse because I was like, I felt like, you know, like I was underutilizing him and he was going to be bored. And we show up to the rehearsal. And he's just like, Lucia, I have all these ideas for, I have a, I have a whole story in my head about, about what this piece means and what's happening. And he just started playing and he was like telling me this whole like love story that was happening. He, it was, I mean, just, he's like 150% just like music and heart and love and just, it doesn't matter. He could be playing Twinkle Twinkle. He could be playing <laughs> Prokofiev. Like it's, it's all comes from this like huge, generous beautiful source it's and authentic. it was yeah it was amazing and that's such how a great you are lesson. oh well thank that's you. interesting though that you know looking at when you're just watching him on youtube or something you get completely different or the marketing or whatever i like to hear this story because people are different than the way they're portrayed well i mean right? I, because i met him you know that so so long ago and that was my first you know i had heard about him and i had heard his playing but that was my first real interaction with him 
I just, I felt like, you know, in the time that we rehearsed and recorded and hung out in those couple of days, I, I just felt like I got a good sense of who he was. And I think he's really genuine and, you know, just a super talent. And it really, I think it really comes from an authentic place. And so I just feel, you know, it's like when I see stuff or when I go and see him play now, I don't, I don't find, I don't know, I guess some people say that it's like flamboyant or whatever. I don't, I, I think it's genuine because his, that's his personality. <laughs> you know, you could be at lunch with him and he'll be telling a story and it's that dramatic. That's just who he is. So right. to me, I don't see anything as being fake or as being, um, you know, like marketing or like PR. over sensational. No, I'm just like, that's his personality and it's awesome. <laughs> see, I think there's a lot of people in the past, like 19th century pianists, lists, all the, I think they were probably like that too. Probably. And just, right? The urban myth just is its own kind of machine. Yeah. Yeah. So, Paganini. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about your life in LA. Yeah. Cause I'm really fascinated by just the diversity of stuff you do. Well, it's great. I mean, a lot of it is is just sort of um, has been almost coincidence. I mean, you know, I was in, I was at Juilliard forever when I was a little kid, and then um, Miss Delay was really sick when I was auditioning for colleges, and so I didn't. I mean, I had been studying with her for like seven or eight years. I didn't know who I would even want to go and study with. And then, you know, Pinka Zuckerman reached out to me and invited me to join his studio at Manhattan School. So I went there. That was totally a coincidence. Like, I didn't even know he was teaching. I had no idea that he even had a studio. And then it was like, I just got a phone call, like, you know. And so that was incredible. He was an amazing teacher. And then, you know, I... I got really into just, like, checking out, because it was also, like, when I went to college, it was, like, the first time I'm away from home, the first time I'm away from, like, my Korean mom, and I can go and, and explore stuff and explore the city, and I got kind of into, like, jazz and rock and and then met a couple of people, a cellist and, and some other musicians who were, like, super classical musicians who were also improvisers and also like playing in rock bands and playing in jazz bands and I was like what's that like that is so cool I want to know how to you know and I would just go up to them and be like can you teach me how to do that (laughs) you know and so that yeah so that kind of led to then I those people started helping me learn about improvising and then throwing me some small gigs with bands and stuff here and there and then that turned into Somebody was like, oh, you should audition for a Trans-Siberian Orchestra. You know, they're having auditions this weekend. <laughs> I, I went in and auditioned for that, and then I got that tour, and which was, like, electric violin in, like, arenas with, like, they have the... Um, they have the pyro guys who do kiss shows. <laughs> so it's just like you're just like knee deep in like fog and all these things are exploding everywhere and you're playing like rock and roll Christmas music. It's awesome. It's amazing. <laughs> so I did that tour and then like while I was on that tour, close to the end of the tour, literally like my cell phone rings and this guy's like, hi, I'm Josh Groban and I'm looking for a violinist and somebody gave me your name and, you know, will you record yourself? Like, I'll send you some music. Can you record yourself playing this music and send it back to me? And, you know, so I like learned the pieces and like somebody made a recording of me like in the back of the Trans-Siberian tour bus and sent it to Josh. And then all of a sudden I was on his tour. And while I was on his tour, then it was like, 
they asked me, oh, can you come up with like a little solo thing that you do in the middle of the show to give Josh like a break just because there's so many songs, you know? And I was like, okay. So I like, you know, what I was into at the time, I was really into classic rock. So I came up with like this little thing that was like, this beautiful, like, classical style piece that had, like, the guitar solo from Bohemian Rhapsody in the middle of it, you know, and then that somehow did really well, and people really liked it, and then all of a sudden, like, Warner Brothers offers me a record deal. So just, like, so many things, you know, even after, while I was on tour with Josh Groban, Chris Bodie came out to open for Josh Groban, and I really got along with his band because I was just like, oh, my God, it's real jazz. Like, it was so exciting to me to see. And then he and we got along really well. And then he just was like, you know, will you come and play with me? <laughs> I was like, what? You know, so then all of a sudden I go out on tour with him. I'm on tour with this, like, super heavy jazz band. Just all these, there's all these coincidences it was just, like, through these kinds of things, you know, I end up learning about different kinds of music and also just, like, being around very different kinds of musicians. So I was, like, around, you know, like, rock and pop sort of musicians for a long time and then jazz musicians. And obviously I'm always around classical musicians, you know. And then when I do Treme, that's, like, a whole other world of just, like, you know, trad jazz and fiddle playing and, like, bluegrass. Like, just, it's you know, and so being around all these different kinds of people and soaking up just all that influence, I can't say that I'm, I necessarily like intended to have such a diverse palette, but, you know, obviously I'm going to be really influenced by the things I've been around and I've been really lucky to like be around incredible musicians of all different styles my entire career. But there's like, a, there's an openness about you that I think is a lot, I mean, Coming from your training, you wouldn't think that you would be so open or a person coming from the training you had with such, like, conventions of classical music. So did you ever have yeah. to hide kind of what you were doing? Or was there ever a point where you were like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be broadcasting that I'm doing some of this? I mean, I when I first started exploring stuff was when I was studying with Zuckerman. And I didn't really, like mention it. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't really actively hiding it. I just didn't feel like I was good at, like, I mean, I still feel not super strong as an improviser, but now it's like, okay, I've had many years. But at the time, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but was very excited to try. And I don't, I don't know that I necessarily, I guess in a way, yeah, I felt restricted by that world, but it, it didn't, my desire to try new things and learn new things didn't come out of like this like I gotta break free I feel so trapped it was more that I felt I started I remember being in pre-college and looking around and being like oh my god like these are some of the most highly trained like children (laughs) you know literal literally like literal children and also just so highly trained and yet You know, I mean, you have, like, 10-year-olds who are playing, like, Bartok Violin Concerto. It's crazy what they're able to do. You know, there's, like, 35-year-olds and 45-year-olds who can't do that. And yet, you take one thing, you take the music away from them and just tell them, just play something. It's like they suddenly can't do anything. Or just that, that made me feel really weird. Something about how narrow... Yeah, I mean, one of the first experiences that I had in a non-classical setting, like I said earlier, I I had met somebody who was a cellist, 
and a pianist. And then he was also an improviser. And I went up to him when I met him and I said, I want to do what you do. Can you teach me how to do what you do? And one of the things, he he threw me like a gig, like a $50 gig with this R&B band. He was like, you know, you'll get like 50 bucks and you're going to take a van to Philadelphia and you'll get some beer and it'll be really cool. And it was like, like, they'll think it's really cool. They just think it would be really cool to have a violinist in the group. They just think it would look cool, you know? And I was like, oh, whatever. (laughs) And I go to this rehearsal space and these songs are pretty simple, you know, not complicated chord changes, but obviously no music. And they're like, here, you know, we were thinking maybe you could come up with something to play on this song. Let's play the song for you. And they play a song for me. And they're like, okay, you got it? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) You know? And they're like, okay, we'll do it again. And they did it again. And I like tried to play. I did not know what to play. And I will never forget the bass player looks up at me and he's like, you said you went to Juilliard? (laughs) (laughs) And I had that thing of like, like, you know, I have been trained so much. I've been playing since I was three. But once it's out of this context that I know, I'm, I can't do anything. And I didn't feel, you know, that doesn't feel right to me. I feel like as a musician, it's like, even if you don't have your instrument, even if you don't have, you know, a violin or a viola, you don't, music is more than that. You know, you should be able to make music somehow anyway. You know what I mean? And and, and that's what was like completely opposite of, of what I came from. And it really just frustrated me. I felt really just like, I'm not a real musician. Like I, I, you know, I need to be able to express myself through this instrument without being told, you know, what to play or what this thing. Yeah, yeah. What and how. Yeah. So you made kind of a conscious decision at that moment almost. Maybe it was subconscious that you would just be open to anything. Yeah. I mean, I just wanted to not feel that way. Right. I wanted to feel a little more flexible and a little bit more like I could could be in any musical situation and figure it out. Right, and communicate. Yeah. That's so amazing. Isn't that what we're all trying to do, you know? Well... Yeah, I think some people get there, but I mean, kind of the point of me wanting to have you on, just also because you're an incredible artist, but I think people need that permission because they're not necessarily getting it in conservatories and not being encouraged. So I hope this gives people permission to, anything's possible. Yeah, I also think, I do think it's changing though. Right. I don't know what the conservatory environment is at the moment because I'm, obviously I'm not there, but I, I have noticed with... So many of the younger artists that I see emerging, even out of, like, competition environments or just so many young soloists these days, I just see people doing more different kinds of styles. Even people who are, like, playing, you know, concertos in the big symphony halls with the top symphonies, I see them doing things like... They'll play Tchaikovsky and then they play, you know, a folk song as an encore or they'll sing some, they'll sing and strum as an encore or they'll bring in like bluegrass elements or, and I just think it's so cool. I think it's definitely changing. I think that's no longer a taboo thing. And I think that classical musicians are realizing that, that it's such a, it's such an awesome way to really personalize your own musical voice where it's like, yes, you're playing stuff from the canon, but this also just gives the audience like a sense of who you are. Right. And And you're going to have so much more of an enriched kind of 
engagement with music like that. Yeah. I had a student the other day, and he was it's time for college, and he he was like, I want to do like write a string quartet. I want to score a picture. I want to do that. He went on and on and on. What school should I apply to? And it was just like, ooh, um, that is a very good question because there isn't one. No. So I think the next generation will hopefully. We'll kind yeah, of I think that that break idea. these walls down. Yeah, I think there. I think it's happening. I it's think happened, I definitely yeah. think it's happening. Not and and with artists and also with audiences. Going back to your PBS special, tell me a little bit how you put it together. What was that like? Curating that basically. I mean, balancing all the different styles. I've been like hearing this like. I've I've heard people calling themselves curators, and I've heard that word a lot. Oh, you're, <laughs> you're say, definitely every time a I hear curator, I imagine like a very like sophisticated, well dressed like woman in who works gallery. in an exactly. Yes, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's not me. <laughs> <clears throat> it's a pretentious term, and I absolutely have to use it on this podcast. <laughs> no, I mean, but the thing is, it's uh, what we did for the PBS special was essentially. That's my show. It's, I mean, what ended up in the broadcast is only an hour's worth of a show that I've been doing that's closer to an hour and a half. So, you know, so they kind of cut it down and they, they, there are songs that I normally play that they didn't uh, think were great for TV or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, that's too long. That's depressing. Um, That's depressing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we do Barbara Adagio uh, in our show, which is, awesome and people love it but i I think pbs was like (laughs) that's 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 dark but um you know so i can tell so i didn't like curate something specifically for pbs what i uh curated (laughs) was like my show and putting together my program happened you know earlier and obviously i'm it's always evolving and i'm always adding things and shifting things around so i'm always trying to like pull in new material and, you know, just try to have more diversity and also have, um, show more diversity with my musicians because I have such amazing people that I play with and I, like, you know, always want to, like, showcase all the things that they can do. So I'm always looking for opportunities to, like, really showcase people. Um, and the order of the, was that tricky to get such The PBS order... That wasn't the order that we actually did the show in. Um, I do program my shows very specifically, but, you know, PB with the special, I did, the special was just like, we did a live show. And that's it. We did a live show. They filmed it. They They recorded it. We had one shot, and we did it, and then, you know, going back and forth with PBS, they had different ideas about, like, you know, maybe this should be here, and this should be here, and this would work well, because they also have, like, very specific time frames for each segment with the pledge breaks and blah, blah, blah. Um, But, yeah, programming I take pretty seriously, uh, putting together a program, but, I mean, you know, the way that I approach putting together a program, that's why it's, like, curating sounds so cerebral, because for me, putting together a program is just, like, so emotional and so personal like I really don't think about anything other than what music do I really love you know what do I really love what do I really feel super connected to and super just emotional about something that I am like oh I just I want to share this with people like if you know if somebody comes over to my house and it's like oh I'm so excited about this I have to play this for you right now you know and so I try to program my show like that where it's all music that I feel that way about I don't like to 
I mean, I don't, you know, and it's a privilege to have a, a platform in which, you know, I get to play with who I want and I get to play what I want to because it's just like such, it's such a joy. It's such a privilege to like, I only play music that I love and I play with people that I love. And, you know, so when I, yeah, when I sit down, I'm just like, what music am I really into? What do I feel really connected to? And then it just ends up being this like super bizarre list of like, well, there's this classical thing and there's a standard and then here's a folk song and there's this song with a banjo and there's you know and it's like okay and we just you know so when I first started doing shows I was like I have no idea if people are gonna like this but this is the only thing that feels right to me it didn't feel right to me to do like a more of a recital format because I knew that my audience wasn't going to be classical it didn't it didn't feel right for me at all to like not have classical music that was like what you know that's like that's the foundation of who I am so you know it had to be this way it just is what felt right to me and it was a little difficult at first to like it's hard to explain it to people but once they hear it and they see it I think people get it right away and I don't feel I mean I don't know if people feel strange about it when when they're leaving the show nobody ever tells me that I mean all I ever hear is that you know it just feels really natural and personal and they love the diversity and they come away discovering new new music which is so amazing especially for the classical yeah I mean that's what's like so it's so exciting to me I mean because some people who come to see me like they only know me from Treme so they think that I'm like a New Orleans like jazz violinist and they're just like, what? Like, if when I'm playing, you know, like, Introduction Ronda Capriccioso, they're just like, what the hell is that, you know? <laughs> that wasn't but written in New awesome. Orleans. <laughs> but I think that's so, you know, and then there's other people who know me from Josh Groban and see me more as a classical person. So they're like, what, what's happening now? She's singing a standard, you know? But I, it's it's really cool. And, and, yeah, the most exciting thing to me is how people respond, over, like, over and over again, very consistently, to the classical repertoire and to the weirder classical repertoire. Like, I don't know, I, I think I told you this where I was like, kids really love the second movement of the Ravel duo for violin and cello. I have that in my show. And kids especially love that piece. They, I mean, it's like, it's pretty out. And kids <laughs> are just like, I love that piece. Like, I want to play. Like, there's a lot of little kids who come to my show who are, you know, playing violin or playing cello or playing an instrument. And they'll be like, I want to to play the Ravel duo and I'm like this is awesome this makes me so happy me too it's so (laughs) cool you know or like I have I play a movement of the Corleano Sonata it's like you know it's just like people (laughs) I had somebody come up to me and tell me like oh I really like that what was that that piece it sounded like um like hipster cowboy music (laughs) it's like awesome that's exactly what it is This episode of Classical Chops is sponsored by the Los Angeles Chamber Orchestra. Committed to making great music personal, the Los Angeles Chamber Orchestra has concerts for everyone. From Baroque music to full, lush orchestral concerts and contemporary music, see what's playing at laco.org. Enjoy 10% off your ticket order using the code CLASSICALCHOPS. Okay, I want to talk about Treme. So tell me how you transitioned into, or didn't transition, but became an actress. <laughs> David Simon made, just said, you are an actress now. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's pretty much. Like a magic wand. Oh, my gosh. What was you that know, like? I mean, that also, like, feels kind of very coincidental. You know, I hurt my hand. 
I was like, it was like July 4th in 2009, I think. I was playing a show with Chris Bode in Italy. I was backstage after the show. I was holding a glass in my left hand and I tripped on my dress and I landed on the glass and I severed three nerves in my left hand. And then I had to have like reconstructive nerve surgery and then I was in a cast for like all this time and then while I was in the cast, you know, the doctor was like, I think, you know, I think you'll play again. I don't know. I remember, my my doctor was so awesome though. I remember like I had a, I had a, um, I had a visit with him and he and I was like, am I going to be able to play? And he was like, I think so. And I was like, well, am I going to be any good? And he was like, well, I don't know. I never heard you play. <laughs> and I, you know, but it was really this thing of like, I did not know how long my recovery would take or how well I would, if I could like keep touring and like being a professional violinist. It was like that. Yeah. And so, well, what, tell me, when you came out of the cast, like, did you have to see a special therapist or a performing arts therapist? That I did see a physical therapist, and then I was also just playing the violin. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, and my surgeon was amazing. I mean, my surgeon has operated on like he operated on Heifetz twice. What? Yes. Oh, you <laughs> isn't were that in good crazy? And operated on like George Duke, and just like he's operated on tons of of musicians. So yeah, I was in great hands, but it was still just like so. W- while I was in the cast, and it's literally like oh, I don't know, we don't know what's going to happen. That was when my management got the call about Treme. And it was this thing where I really wonder, like, if I hadn't been hurt, and I, I would have been actively touring probably with Chris. And I just don't know whether it would have been a time commitment thing or just me being like, well, why don't I be an actor? I'm a violin, you know. But because I was in that situation, I was just like, okay. Like, I'd love to try to do something because I don't know if I can do this. And then I knew that there was going to be playing in the show, but, like, such a, like, classical snob. I was like, oh, it won't be a big deal. It's fine. It'll be like TV playing, right? Right. But anyway, so I auditioned, and we did all these rounds of auditioning, and I get the part. And by that time, I'm out of the cast. I wasn't, like, 100% yet, but I could play. And I show up in New Orleans for, like, the first week of shooting, and literally, like, the night I show up, David Simon is like, we're shooting you playing with, you know, the Jazz Vipers next Tuesday. And, you know, you should check them out this weekend because you're going to be playing with them. And I was like, oh, okay. And I and he's like, they're at the Spotted Cat Friday and Saturday night. And I like went there and was like, what is it? And was like, trad jazz. I don't know anything about trad jazz, you know. <laughs> so I get there and I'm just like, oh, my God. And the guys in the band were amazing. They're just like, you want, you know, you want to sit in? Like for our second set tonight, and I was like, "It's okay. like here it goes again." <laughs> yeah, and I tried to sit in, and I totally bombed, you know. And then they were so—I was thinking like they're going to be like, "You need to like go away, get away from our gig. You're totally screwing it all up." They come to me afterward, and they were like, "Well, we're playing again tomorrow night. You should come sit in with them tomorrow night. Maybe it'll get better." Maybe and I was like, beer. "Really amazing, amazing! Like so generous, so amazing. Just worked with me, you know." And we worked up some some tunes and by the time we shot on Tuesday I sounded like I knew what I was doing and that was the whole like my entire four years of Treme were like that it was like every week just like a different type of music a different kind of band and just being like "Ah, what am I doing and then with their help and their generosity of the musicians just like learning 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 and figuring stuff out and ended up I played a lot on the show so what was what made that um, genre of jazz jazz so so unique. It was well, specific the to the neighborhood. It's not a genre. 
That oh. was the thing, too. It's like when I... It was a style? When I, before I went down there, I thought New Orleans music was a genre. I was like, oh, there's New Orleans music. Right, right. Then I get down there, and I'm like, there's like a bazillion different kinds of music here. They have Creole and Cajun jazz. They have trad jazz. They have bounce. They have zydeco. They have... It's just like endless, endless styles of music. And... You know, so many musicians crammed into such a small area and ridiculous musicians. And it's just literally like music is like overflowing. It's like in the street, every street corner, every club, you know. And David Simon had loved New Orleans before he started that show. And one of his goals was like, I want to get as many of my favorite bands on my show as possible. And so he was just like, you know, he did some things that were really, really cool. Like all of our music scenes were shot live. We never did any pre-recorded. You know, everything was live. If you see it on the screen, that's because the band was playing it in that moment, you know. And so that was super cool. And I don't know. He he had this thing. He would always say, like, you know, violin is like hot sauce. It goes with everything. <laughs> and because I would go to him sometimes and I'd be like, okay, like, you're asking me to play now with this group. Like, I don't even, I don't think there's room. There's like eight people no in that band. Stage. Like, there's really no, and he's like, well, violin's like hot sauce. It goes with everything. <laughs> and it was like this thing that he just would always say. And it was this, like, just figure it out and make it work. And, you know, that kind of being gently pushed, gently yet firmly pushed, you know, it's a job. I couldn't not do it. I always had to find a way, but it was all such an encouraging environment. That was huge. Like, Treme was really huge for me in terms of just, like, opening up musically, discovering different styles, but more than that, really just, like, developing a different attitude about music and what's important about music and what music means to people. Because I think, like, for you and I, coming from the environment that we came from, and we started so young, we literally have no idea what music actually means to most people. To us, music means, you know, practicing eight hours a day and trying to be perfect and wanting our teacher to think we're good and wanting our peers to think we're good and wanting that audition to go well or whatever it is. That's what music means to us, like stress and anxiety and all of your, like, self-worth all wrapped up in this thing. It's real complicated. But for, like, the majority of humans on this planet, music is about joy and music is about sharing and music is about getting together with your friends and getting together with your family and just like celebrating or sometimes mourning or it's about just like an emotional experience that you share. And that's, I think, is like just drastically different from from how we feel most of the time. So it was so amazing to go there and see musicians that were like very firmly rooted in the the life, you know, what it means to be like a human playing music and not like I'm a I'm not a, you know, I'm not a bass player. I'm not a violinist. I'm a human who does this thing, too. You know, so it was really amazing to learn that from them. Just, like, see people get together and just play for fun or just play, you know, you know, the second lines. It's like, in New Orleans, it's like when someone dies in New Orleans, they have a band walk through the street playing music. And all of the members of the funeral party walk along behind the band and dance. 
You know, <laughs> it's so beautiful. Like I was in New Orleans when when the Saints won the Super Bowl, and like the first thing that then the night of the game it was like as soon as the game was over, everybody's in the street like playing music. People walk down the street with their instruments and were just like playing music down the streets. Like it's just oh my god, it's so different and it's so beautiful. It's beautiful and it's what unites everyone. Yeah, and you really realize like oh my, and you see how people react to it, and you see what it means for people, and you're like. You know, this thing that it means for me, I want more of that <laughs> yeah, that <right>. thing. <laughs> but it means for, for those people, I want it to mean that for me again. You know, it's a it's a really powerful thing to, to realize, like, hey, this is about so much more than perfection. It's a real connection. Yeah. So you're kind of on this path, then, to make that connection. I'm trying. You're, I'm trying. <laughs> you're doing an unbelievable job of it. Thank you. I'm Brett Banducci, and you've been listening to Classical Chops Studio, the podcast from classicalchops.org. You can follow us on Facebook and YouTube, and if you haven't already, please subscribe and review us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Thanks for listening.